Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes. Approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me on the Above180.com podcast is EJ Tackett and Natalie Goodman. Natalie was a member of Junior Team USA from 2012 to 2014. She bowled collegiately at Vanderbilt University. EJ has five career PBA titles, including one major. EJ and Natalie, want to thank you guys for joining me on the Above180.com podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, EJ and Natalie, I guess my first question is going to be, you guys are one of the newer bowling couples out there. I've talked to Brian and Shannon O'Keefe. You want to check out that interview. It's up on Above180.com as well. Talk to Marshall Kent and Danielle McEwen both separately, not on the same podcast, but just want to talk about how you guys are, are working through the dynamic of things and, and actually um, how it's all been going for you guys as a bowling couple because there are some unique dynamics to things when you're out there on the lanes. Uh, well, you know, we haven't, We've only bowled one. We bowled one little small tournament together so far. You know, we've only been together for a few months. But um, I think the best thing about us is that we're both really understanding of, of what's going on. You know, she she's a bowler herself, so she understands when I have to be gone for long periods of time. And um, you know, she's the best supporter that I have. So um, you know that that really helps in in the relationship to have somebody that's that's very understanding of of the the life of a professional bowler because it's it's not it's not an easy one um and then just outside of bowling you know we we both get along really well we're we're both very laid back um don't let too many things bother us um you know we already we've gone through some stuff that have happened to us and you know we just moved on from it and uh didn't let didn't let anything bother us and uh, i don't think we'll let anything stop us from doing what we want to do Natalie, do you have anything to add to that? I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> um, um, no, I mean, obviously, he's bowling a lot more than I am right now since we started dating because uh, the women's swing is, is in the summer. Um, 
I've been working a lot at Woodland Bowl and Indy and have had little time to practice. But like you said, we've bowled a little bit and, you know, getting to watch all of his success and, and be a supporter along the way has been really, really cool. Um, but like you said, I mean, we just, we just get along really, really well. We're both laid back and we take everything day by day. And it, like I said, it helps when we're, when we're both so busy, um, on different ends of the spectrum with me with work and him with traveling. But, um, being understanding of that is, is, is really what's made us click really well. So looking yeah. forward, we'll be bowling the Lucy together in, um, in July. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk about you and some of your accomplishments. You bowled collegiately at Vanderbilt university, you, you know, junior team USA for a couple of years, you were the collegiate, you know, the collegiate, your team was the uh, runner up in 2013. So talk about what you're doing, and how you're able to use some of that with the PWBA? I mean, as a as a young woman, you know, you're always able to bowl the men's stuff, obviously. But when the PWBA PWBA came back into uh, you know into existence, I guess that had to create some new new excitement for you. And you know, how are you doing? And what are you working on? I guess in your game. So when you, when you are ready to go out there, you know, coming up here, and, and you know, it'll probably be here before you know it. Honestly, uh, how are you working on things? And what are you working on? Yeah, um, I think the the hardest part for me was. I didn't jump right into the tour after my collegiate career was over. Um, I've been on and off. So I've taken a couple month break um, after college and decided not to go on tour that summer. Then I got this big wave of wanting to get back out there. My brother's been a big influence in that. Um, So I did that and and had an interesting summer this past summer. Um, And now with starting a full-time job for Woodland, it's, it's been hard, but it's, it's really just focusing on my fundamentals, my footwork, my timing, um, my release, really. Um, I was struggling to figure out why I wasn't getting the same reaction over and over again. And one day, one night, I was just practicing and, and kind of saw like, oh, okay, it's definitely in my hand position at the line. So it's been focusing on making sure that's consistent. Um, like I said, having that consistent footwork. I've been a five-step for a really long time, and I switched to four because my timing was so late. So, I mean, it's really, it's the basics of bowling. I think I have the mental, the mental game and mental capacity to be successful, but it's working on that, that fundamental physical stuff um, that's going to get me where I want to be. So. So Natalie, I mentioned that you bowled collegiately and uh, I didn't realize this about you, but just kind of talk about your upbringing because that was quite the story of having the dual citizenship and um, and then, you know, being, you know, bowling and, and making it to Junior Team USA. So talk about some of that for someone who who's maybe new to you and your game and just kind of getting to know some things about you. Sure. Um, the dual citizenship thing comes from my mom. Uh, my mom's whole family still lives in Germany. Um, she's 100% German. And so I was actually born there. My dad is military, so that's kind of how they met. Um Dad was a huge influence in, in what bowling has brought me. Um, my parents bowled in leagues. I used to hang out at the bowling center while my dad bowled. Um, when we moved to Illinois in like 2001, that's when me and my brother really picked it up. But um, the dual citizenship thing, that's just kind of an opportunity that I could have had, you know, to, to pick maybe if I wanted, if it was something I wanted to do, like bowl for Germany. Um, obviously, I'd have to look into a lot more details of that, but. Um, I had my own success stories to, to handle here in the U.S., but um, upbringing, I have a brother, like I just mentioned. Um, he bowls for McKendree University, and he's just a superstar. He's incredible. But having him along the way to bowl and like compete in a sport that we can 
be competitive with each other. You know, I think that's it's hard to come by in sports where you can have like a brother sister competitive rivalry um, in the same sport. So it's been really nice to have him along the way. He pushes me and I push him and he's a big reason why I've jumped back into the sport a couple of times since college. So um, having that, I just have a good support system at home with my, with my parents and my brother. So I have a lot, I have to credit a lot to what, what they've done for me. Yeah, and speaking of support system, EJ, it was very emotional watching on P- and when you won the PBA World Championship. Everyone saw that was your first major. Your dad was there to experience that. So it seems like you could probably, you and Natalie had something in common there where your families were supporting you throughout your whole bowling journey. And then for him to be there, you know, I know you've, you've mentioned it a few times. But just talk about that and, and, you know, just truly how special that was. Even, you know, even for someone me who was watching it, just to have those memories, you know, go through my head of, of someone who, you know, people who always support you when you're there bowling and, you know, for you to have it finally, uh, you know, finally pay off in this way. Uh, yeah, it was uh, absolutely incredible to have, to have my dad there. Um, there was, you know, so many things that were, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say riding on that match, but you know, my first major, um, you know, winning that major helped propel me for a, you know, leading candidate for player of the year. So there was so much that, that could have come of, of that, that one game. And just to have my dad there was, um, you know, it was the best moment of my life by, by far. Um, I grew up, you know, watching tiger play golf and I watched him win in 97 and, you know, the first thing he did was walk off the green and, and, and hug his dad. And, you know, when I saw that, you know, I, I said, one day I want that to be me where I can, whatever I'm doing, if it's playing golf, bowling, whatever it is, when I accomplish what I want to accomplish, you know, I want to be able to have that moment with my father because he is, he's been my guidance my, my entire life. He's been my only coach that I've ever had. Um, you know, we bought a bowling center in, in 98 because my dad, you know, he absolutely loves bowling. He bowled on tour a little bit. Um, but he wanted he wanted to give me every opportunity that, that I could have um, in bowling. And he told me at a very, very young age that, you know, I, I wanted to play golf. But he told me, he said, a bowling ball was made to fit in your hand. And, you know, the, the success that I've had, that's, that's one quote that sticks with me. Um, a lot that that my dad told me, and that was I was very very young when when he told me that um, I couldn't have been more than nine or ten years old. But um, you know, just just to have that support system of of my dad and my entire family um, is is incredible. Um, it it allows me to to go out and know that no matter what I do when I come home, I'm always going to have that support system. So it makes doing what I do just a little bit easier. So, EJ, do you think too much is made of when you're the top qualifier on a PBA stepladder event and you're sitting in the wings and you're watching the other bowlers as opposed to the guy who's started out the stepladder? Even sometimes they say the guy who's won the actual the, the semifinal match seems to be in a little bit of a better position because he's seen the lanes and he's actually seen the lanes transition. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's I think that that can be argued either way. Um, I, I think you can argue it both ways. You know he's he's on the lanes. He's seen how the lanes have have broken down and progressed over over the time. So I mean, it does give you a little bit of an advantage, I would say, because you you have seen the way the lanes have broken down, um, and that's that's huge. But um, 
you know, like you said, it's still only one match. And you know, I can come in, or anybody can come in from the number one seed and, and bowl a good game. And the other person struggle, even though they've already bowled three games on the pair. But you know, st- statistically showing, um, number one seeds haven't done well um, over the course of time. Um, I don't know why, if it, if it's, if it's because of that, the other person, you know, seen the lanes break down and they, they just know the moves because of, you know, they've got to, to see it and uh, feel the lanes. But, um, you know, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough this time, you know, 2015 world championships. I was on, I was on the other side of, uh, of that, you know, got to that title match and, uh, Gary bowled a great game. Um, in that World Series, I don't remember what exactly he bowled. I think it was two thirty or two forty, but um, you know it was going to be very hard to beat him that day. Even if even if I was um, bowling to the best of my abilities that day, it would have been it would still have been very hard to beat him. Um, but you know, this year I, I went in with a, a little bit of different attitude. Um, I had had some success on TV in Detroit and um, a couple other times, won a couple events. Uh, and I just had I had a lot of confidence going in, into that that match. You know, I bowled great all week when we were there. So I just went in, and took it one shot at a time, and uh, yeah, I was able to uh, get the job done that day. So this question will be for both of you. Um, one of the things you talk about having a one game match, and it's something that I think really truly separates the amateurs from the professionals, and that would be the fact that the adjustments, you guys recognize them and then make the, the right adjustments. Sometimes the amateurs maybe recognize it, the ball went high, the ball went light, et cetera, but then don't make the right adjustment. Um, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on that and what you see, you know, what, what you guys see, because I've, you know, had some help and some people helping me with my game and even just the adjustment side of things. And if you lose the one lane, you're going to, you, it's very difficult to bowl, you know, shooting a Dutch, basically. You're not going to be able to, if you don't find that lane after, you, you know, you need to make those adjustments. So, you know, Natalie and what you're seeing, you know, working at the bowl and even you see the, you know, the Joe Bowler guy comes in, bowls, you know, maybe one night a league. Um, and then EJ, even when you go out to the pro-ams and when you see the things like that, is that something you guys see as well that, you know, uh, out on both tours, the, the, the ladies and the men just make the adjustments that much quicker? Um, I would say, you know, that that's one of the biggest reasons why um, – the guys like myself and Sean and Belmo and all the top guys on tours, it's part of the biggest reason why we get to where we do because we do make those adjustments and we are, we're better at making the right adjustments. Now we don't always make the right one. We're not perfect, but I think more often than not, um, we make the right adjustment or at least close to the right one. Um, the percentage of the time. And, and, and that is, a, that is a big difference between, the uh, the guys that bowl on tour that are successful and, and um, the guy the guys that are amateurs um, that haven't bowled on tour now um, there are some really good amateur bowlers that that could bowl on tour but choose not to um, that that do the same thing so it's not necessarily a, a professional to an amateur um, comparison more so than just um, a person that knows what they're doing compared to someone that doesn't. I would, I would compare that way more than comparing a professional to an amateur. EJ, one thing I do want to hit on too, you talk about that, but then it's also sometimes right away we think, oh, it's a ball change. If it's, a, if it's an amateur where you guys, it might not be the ball change. It might be a hand position. It might be a speed factor. It might be a, a whole different array of, 
of problems, I guess, or of, of solutions to what you see, which is another thing I think that separates us. Yeah, um, as far as that goes, you know, I'm I'm a big one on I'll make you know hand adjustments and speed adjustments before I change balls. Now, there's there's plenty of other guys on tour that um, you know when one ball doesn't do the right thing, it's immediately to another ball. Um, so there's there's guys that do it both ways, but it's you know it's one of those things where you got to do what you're good at um, and what you feel more comfortable with. I feel more comfortable with making hand adjustments first. Uh, because I, I would like to stay in the same ball because I know that it's, um, I know what it's doing on the lane. I I can see how it's rolling. You know, you grab another ball and you you have a good idea what it's going to do, but you don't know exactly for sure uh, on that particular day. So I'm a firm believer in changing what you're doing to the bowling ball first rather than changing bowling balls. Natalie, what were some of your, um, going back to college when you bowled at Vanderbilt, what was it, what are some of your, your, um, you know, your fonder memories and maybe your most fond memory there of who you bowled with, whether it was the camaraderie that you had with the ladies traveling to the events, whether it was, you know, obviously, uh, you know, your competition on the lanes, but what did you really learn and how I'm sure you're still keeping in touch with all those gals out there. Yeah, I keep in touch with a couple of them. Um, I mean, getting to travel and having to balance uh, Vanderbilt and athletics and everything in between um, is something that I think about a lot. Um, the time management skills that you learn and take away from your college bowling experience is something that you'll never experience anywhere else, I feel like. But, I mean, the traveling was always so fun and, you know, remembering having to take exams and midterms on the road. So it wasn't an easy road, but when you spend so much time with a group of people, I mean, the same people in your class, that's four years, you know, it's going to be up to four years that you're spending with these people that you're traveling with. You, you build these relationships. And my favorite thing was being able to go out there and I've learned so much about them and their game that, you know, even when I'm not in the lineup, I feel like I'm still, um, I can still play a pretty important role because I'm starting to see the, the shape, you know, how they bowl their characteristics what you know it's I'm learning to see the lane better through watching my teammates and I think that's something I've been able to take away and helping the teams that I have now like on this league or whatever it is but taking away that and being able to really focus on seeing the lane and what my ball is doing I think that's been something I was able to take away especially my senior year because I didn't get to bowl that much in the lineup but I got to travel so I'm out there and all I'm doing is watching what they're doing to see if I can help them in any way and, and, and doing that. It's kind of back to what we were just talking about, things like adjustments that you make. I think that's the biggest thing is sometimes that pin reaction. I see that in my league bowling, um, my teammates and stuff, and I get in little bickering arguments with them about their ball motion isn't just they need to change their angle. You know, Sometimes it's something as small as that. If you just keep ringing 10, I mean – you probably need to change your angle into the pocket. And I think that's what you see a lot of like league bowlers doing, um, getting frustrated. They continue to leave the 10 or for me, this would be the seven. Um, you know, it's a reoccurring thing. And I'm like, well, you, you need to change your angle. And I think that's a big thing. But um, yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt was an amazing experience. I graduated there. You know, I have a degree from there. Um, great ties. Like I had a pretty good relationship with my coach. So I'm very thankful for that. And, 
still keep in touch with a few of them. So yeah, and talk about Junior Gold. You, you, I guess you, yeah. you could say you had quite a bit of experience at Junior Gold back in back in the day too. Um, I mean, could you imagine it's grown to what it has, or now there's all sorts of people, you know, making a storm online because they can't fit everyone into the bowling center because it's so full and and crazy. I mean, in your wildest dreams, would you have ever thought it would have grown to where it is and and um, and just uh, just the amazing amount of youth that are picking up our sport? It's, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, now that we're, you're offering 12 and under, it's something that we never had the opportunity to do as kids. Like you, you couldn't, you know, you didn't have a 12 and under division where you could start to develop your game early enough. And I feel like for junior gold, you're going to have your first year and there, there's some outliers, you know, some exceptions that will do really, really well their first year. But for me, I didn't have a great first year at junior gold. I think I finished like 76th or something, or maybe even worse. And I felt like, you know, if you can get in there young and you can experience these patterns, you can grow. You can make that U15 developmental team. Then your chances to make junior team increase every year that you get out there and bowl. So, like, to have that opportunity as a kid that young is, like, really, really cool to me. And it's something that we didn't have. But um, junior gold was one I always really liked to go to the people that you meet, um, the competition that's there, you know, and it's, it's a long week, but very rewarding. So I'm glad that younger kids are getting to experience that early and, and develop that as well. All right, EJ, and I know you, you mentioned this a little bit in passing regarding the uh, PBA player of the year, that award is going to be announced here coming up, you know, about two or three weeks. Um, Gosh, I mean, going into, you know, after winning the world championship in Reno, you are already in the, in the, in, on the very short list. And then going over to Japan and winning the first tournament in 2017, I mean, gosh, I mean, I know the voting's over, um, so there doesn't really need to be any lobbying. But um, it seems like it's, if it ever were an opened and shut case, it seems like it would be, you know, your peers and everyone would vote you as the, uh, the player of the year this year. You know, I, I, I hope that they that they do. You know, I had I had a really good year um, this past year. Um, you know, going going into the World Series, um, if if voting had to be done before we bowled the World Series, I would have I would have voted for Jesper. Um, he had three wins, including a major. Uh, I had three wins, but I didn't have a major, and that was the the biggest difference between um, our years. Um, I was able to get that win at the World Championships, uh, get a fourth win in a major, and um, in my mind, I felt like um, that it, that would be enough. Um, but you know, it's it's still all left up um, to your peers to vote. So, um, you know, I, I I hope that I end up winning winning that award. Uh, it'd be really cool for me, and I've I've mentioned this this before in a couple other interviews, but uh, as we all know, the Player of the Year award is named after Chris Schinkel. Um, Chris Schinkel is actually from my hometown. He was born in the same town that that I live in. So um, it, it'd be make that winning that award would mean that much more to me just because um, of him and uh, his legacy that that he had um, on our sport and the impact that he had. So um, as far as uh, winning the uh, the Japan uh, the DHC Japan Invitational. Uh, it, if it did have bearing on people voting for me, then, uh, that's, that's not good because it's a completely different season. Um, you know, it does, it does, you know, validate my, my year that I had last year, but it shouldn't be, um, 
it shouldn't be considered it while voting because it's uh, the voting's only considered for 2016. I was just glad to get off uh, get off to a good start in 2017. I made the show and I was uh, was very pleased with that. I had struggled a little bit towards the end and was still able to make the show. Um, running the ladder was yeah, it's the first time I've actually uh, ran the ladder like that. So that was a really cool experience and uh, I always love going to Japan and bowling. That's yeah, it was my third trip over there bowling. Um, second time I made the show, so um, I really, I really do enjoy bowling over there. I love the people, I love the the food, the scenery, um, just everything about going over there is uh, is really cool. Yeah, I've heard you get, heard the bowlers go over there and they're treated like rock stars. Like everyone recognizes you, and they're like, it's a completely different culture here than being in an airport. And maybe one or two bowlers might might you know someone may say something to you, they recognize you, but over there, I heard it's completely different. Is that what you found as well? Yeah, when I went over there the first time in 2013, um, you know, I hadn't I hadn't won an event yet. I had only made one show prior uh, to going over there, but when I did go over there, a lot of people knew who I was, and I was very very surprised. Um, I was still very young. Um, like I said, I hadn't won any events yet. I really hadn't done much on tour, but a lot of people knew who I was, and um, it was it was really cool to be to be treated like that. It was uh, it was a uh, how I, I feel bowling should be. Awesome. Well, want to want to end my time. You brought up uh, yes for and yes for and a couple of couple other guys couple on the left and right now seem to have gravitated back towards your thing. Creates a, a, a ball motion they like seeing on the lane. How have you or have you had to make any sorts of adjustments? Whether it's you look at the pairs coming up and you're like, oh, there's a, a righty in front of me who's, um, you know, Anthony Simonson likes to do it on the right side and a couple others, you know, oh, Anthony's over there throwing this. So that means I should, you know, I may have to do this or I need to pay attention for that sort of carry down. Have you, have you been able to work kind of through that or have you even not, have you not even noticed anything? Um, I haven't really noticed much. Um, I, I think, you know, all the urethane just stems from um, the oil that we're using and, and, the uh, all the new equipment is so aggressive. I think sometimes that um, the new equipment forces us too far left, and we get a lot of over under um, out of it because it is so aggressive. And after the lanes break down, um, you know the the ball just comes off the friction so hard. Um, the, the technology has gotten so good. Um, so I think that's why a lot of guys do it sometimes, especially guys that have a really high rev rate. Uh, they're just looking for that that control down lane. And uh, that urethane really gives it to them because it doesn't doesn't flip off the back end too hard. So they're able to keep their uh, their angles in front of them a little bit more, um, which allows you to control the pocket a little bit better. And uh, that's one thing that that I've I've been trying to do. I've been trying to use weaker drills on bowling balls, um, just so I I didn't have to throw the ball away from the head pin as much. Uh, that's one thing that I've I've really tried to do with um, this new oil that we're bowling on. Because it's so thick that if you try to get the ball away from the head pin, it's it's hard to get it to recover. So um, you know, I've I've just been doing it a different way, but I think the the theory is is the same across the board. Is just trying to get your angles in front of you as much as you can and, and control the pocket, and then uh, finding a ball that that will uh, will carry the right way. Okay, well, we obviously know EJ is going to be bowling everything that the. PBA tour is offering. Uh, Natalie, what can we expect from you? Are you going to be able to get some time off to go out and hit most of the PWBA events or what, what's your schedule looking like for, uh, for the upcoming season? Uh, yeah, I'm actually still in the works of trying to figure out what I'm going to be able to bowl. Um, I'm going to try to hit all of the, 
the bigger tournaments for the ladies, you know, Queens, the Open, um, the Open's right after the Lucy, so it makes sense just to stay in uh, in Texas for that. But um, Players Championship, maybe the first one out in Sonoma. But um, I think I did ten events last year, and I'm looking to probably cut that in half just with with the the full time position that I'm in right now. Um, but yeah, so you'll see a little bit of me. But like I said, I've, I've got to take care of some stuff here too in Indy and uh, not get too greedy for the time I want off to compete. So I've just got to be patient and hopefully there's, there's years to come where I can actually go out there more um, than just a couple stops, but I'm um, looking at doing about half. So we will see. Awesome. Well, final question I have for both of you, what is in the lineup for everyone getting excited, getting ready for whether it be the USBC uh, men or women's nationals, uh, people bowl in their city and state tournaments. Uh, what, what in the motive lineup would you guys recommend people, people uh pick up and, and get out there and get some holes in um i mean i would suggest uh the, the the new jackal that we just released is absolutely unbelievable it's by far the best one we've made to date um it's uh i don't know a lot of people had uh a few had the uh, jackal ellie the uh the replacement um if you did have that one, this one is just a stronger version of that ball. They just made the cover a little bit stronger than that one. Um, the uh, the new Chronic Paranoia that I used to win in the World Championships is it's a very good ball. It's very smooth. Um, if you're looking for something that's you know for medium to heavy oil that isn't going to flip off the lane, um, just looking for that nice controllable rea- re- reaction, um, it's definitely going to be a ball to look into. And um, I know uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for uh, some upcoming uh, bowling balls that I'm I'm really excited for. And I can't mention what they are, but um, the next the next few are uh, I'm very very excited for uh, the future of our uh, of our company. Awesome stuff. Well, you guys are doing some great work there. And I want to remind folks, make sure you check out bowlingthismonth.com. Lots of great insight uh, stuff there. You can learn all sorts of ball reviews. You can check out all the latest and greatest equipment. Um, You're looking for great articles, all sorts of stuff. I'm seeing stuff right now. uh, Improving your swing plane. That's always uh, a key to bowling. Um, Talking about patterns and uh, feedback in bowling and training sessions. So lots of great insight. Make sure you check all that stuff out. Again, bowlingthismonth.com. Seeing right now as we talk about it, we have the uh, the Jackal Ghost release was one of the most recent reviews. So check all that out again. Check that out at bowlingthismonth.com. EJ, I know we'll see you bowling. You got some uh, some live. Everyone loves live bowling. It's going to be on uh, in February. We're going to be able to see you guys. You'll be the uh, out at the Orleans. You guys will have the uh, USBC Masters and um, and the uh, uh, one more tournament. Right before that, you'll be bowling. So you got you got a busy month. So you, you said you're preparing for some of that stuff. Is that kind of your main thing now? Is with this new oil that was that was you know rolled out there? I guess is that what what your preparations are for um, for the upcoming season for you guys or your continuation? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know we got the uh, the first major in Columbus uh, the first week of well basically the, the first week of uh, February. Uh, the Players' Championship, and then uh, the following week we got the Tournament of Champions in Oklahoma, and then we finish up with the uh, the Masters in Vegas. So, uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, majors are always my uh, my favorite time of the year. Um, it seems like uh, you always get the best out of everybody around that time. You know, the the legends of of every sport. You always get the uh, the best of their abilities in in uh, major championships and uh, playoff type 
type events. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping I can have a good run, maybe, uh, maybe get another win or two and get another major under my belt. Um, would be uh, absolutely fantastic. So uh, I'm going to you know, keep working, keep working hard to try to make that happen. Awesome. Well, Natalie and EJ, I want to thank you guys for taking some time to join me here on the Above180.com podcast. Right, thank you, thank very you much. so much.